Amen. All right, I want to lead us to a final uh, word here, lesson five in your notes, but uh, let's just repeat what we've been hearing. The eight words, my house will be a house of prayer. Eight words, my house will be a house of prayer. The house of prayer is a consistent gathering of praying Christians who encounter the manifest presence of Christ. Now, what is, is that the end game? Is that what it's all about? Is it all about gathering praying Christians to encounter the manifest presence of Christ? I want to add three more words to those eight words. You see, those eight words were from Christ, but Jesus was quoting from Isaiah, and Isaiah says that, uh, Isaiah said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations, for all nations. My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. The whole purpose of learning how to pray is for the nations. The reason why we learn how to pray, why we encounter the manifest presence of God isn't just an end. That's not where it ends. It's where everything flows out of. Our heart is to encounter God's presence so that we can reach the nations. So that we can reach the nations. And Isaiah 56 verse 7 says, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations as we encounter the manifest presence of God. We're filled with his purposes to reach the lost. Now, what that is, is it's an idea that's throughout scripture, which is called fullness and fulfillment. You can write down those two words, fullness and fulfillment. You receive God's presence and then you give God's presence. What, what, anything that God has given to you, you can then give away. What you've received, you can give. Amen. Fullness is what you receive and encounter in prayer. Fulfillment is what's done through it. And this pattern is throughout Scripture. Uh, from beginning of Scripture till the end, you see receiving and then giving. Receiving and giving. Acts uh, 1 verse 8 is, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's fullness, so that you will be my witnesses, which is fulfillment. And so this pattern is done throughout. And this is what we're doing. We want to build a house of prayer Amen. in our families. Why? Amen. Just so that we can encounter God, which is a great thing. No, it's so that you can encounter God, so that he can change you, so that you can change the world. Amen. So that through your house of prayer, you can be a change agent. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus spent time in prayer, but he came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus said, I didn't come to be with all the righteous. I came to hang out with sinners. Jesus wanted to be there for the lost. When Paul said, I pray continuously, 
He wasn't saying you spend all your time on your knees. He's saying you spend time on your knees so that then you can go out and do everything that God wants you to do. So everything that Paul did, he did through prayer. So God wants us to have time in prayer, and then out of that atmosphere of prayer, then go and go about your work and bring Christ into the workplace and into your neighborhood and into the schools. So we're to flow in this fullness and fulfillment. So what you've received, you can then give. And this pattern is just throughout throughout Scripture. I want to just illustrate this. Um, I, I went to Spain with my wife. And my wife and I love to run together. We have uh, three children. We got away from our children. We went to Spain. We were looking forward to running. I could not wait. We were out on this beach. And we were looking forward to run. I got out my shoes. We're all set to go run on this awesome thing. I pull out my shoes, and I had two left feet. I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, man. I literally tried to put on these two left shoes and run with these two left shoes because I really wanted to run. Many of us are trying to focus on one or the other, fullness or fulfillment. We're either out trying to do things and all we're doing is working, but we have nothing of receiving. We're doing all this stuff, but it's not what God wants us to be doing. And there's many pastors, Christian leaders, who are, have tons of things on their activity list, but none of those activities came from God. Right. So you have to have fullness. But I'm here to say, there are a lot of people that spend a lot of time in prayer, and all they're doing is sitting on their knees the whole time, right. and they don't do anything with what God's given them in prayer. Right. Wow. The idea, the, the biblical throughout Bible is you receive and you go out through prayer. The point of houses of prayer is not to just end there, but to go to the nations. And if all we were meant to do was pray all the time and encounter the manifest presence of God all the time, God might as well take us to heaven. Because we're going to be doing it a lot better in heaven, right? We're going to be seeing Jesus face to face. We're going to be praying all the time in heaven. Yes, we are called to pray because it's in prayer that we receive God's assignments. But then we go out of there and we bring prayer to the nations. So I have two things up here. One is these rocks. These are out in our foyer. On these rocks are names. And these names represent people of loved ones in our church that do not know Jesus. This is what it's all about. The Son of Man came to seek and save each one of these names. Jesus came, not for, he came for us, he saved us, but he still has other people outside of here who are not yet saved. And so we build a house of prayer for these people. I also have a pair of flags. This is is Jesus' love, the nation's. (laughs) 
from the beginning of the Bible to the very end, he loves all the nations of the world. So we build a house of prayer, not just to stay in prayer, but to flow out of prayer, to bring prayer to our neighbors who do not know Jesus and to the nations. But there are unreached people groups out there who have yet to receive the good news of Jesus. So we are called to be a house of prayer on mission. Mike Green calls it a a family on mission. A lot of people, they focus, it's family or mission. A lot of people will sacrifice. It's either mission and they sacrifice their family or it's it's family and they sacrifice the mission. There's a lot of people who do one or the other. He also says, or some people go the next step and they try to do family and mission. I focus on my family and I try to do mission really well. I try, to, I try to do my family really well. I do good activities there. And then I go and I do my mission well. This is not the way God intended it. God intended us to have family on mission. Amen. We should take our family with us. Amen. Family should be a mission. We should do mission as a family. They shouldn't be either or. It shouldn't be both and. They should be put together. Our each family unit, each household of prayer, your house of prayer, whatever that looks like, single, uh, married, with kids, whatever stage of life, you can have a family on mission. And we see this throughout the Bible. Abraham had a family on mission. He received the blessing. Why? So that he could give the blessing to the nations. David, he had a family on mission. He he asked God to bless him. Bless me. He received its fullness so that he could reach the nations. That's what Psalm 67 is all about. The Trinity, I love it. This was a revelation to me this past week. The Trinity is a family on mission. You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and it commissioned Jesus to go and uh, do his mission. It was the Father speaking to the Son, and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. The Trinity is in the Trinity is the perfect example of family on mission. Because they have family and they are reaching the nations. I mean, nobody has perfect unity like the Trinity does. That's our model for family on mission. We can be tight as families and be on mission together. Paul, Paul lived, his, his family was on mission. Paul was single, mind you. Every single person can have a family on mission. Paul had a spiritual son in Timothy. And I love this this verse. It says, this is why I sent you, Timothy, beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, because I teach them everywhere in every churches. Paul lived his life in his family life on mission. So we can live our lives on mission. And I give some just practical ways in which you can live your family life on mission. Number one, regularly receive the blessing of God. We've talked about this. 
but invite God's blessing into your home, into your family. Number two, pray for people by name who need to follow Jesus. My family does this regularly. We have names. My my kids' uh, neighbor friends, Olivia, Ethan, Nicholas, and Layla, we're praying for them. We're praying for their parents and and my neighbors. We're praying for them by name. Pray regularly for the nations. On the back of your program every week is four new nations to pray for. And by the end of the year, we will have prayed for every single nation on earth. Pray as a family for the nations. Again, when you you encounter God in prayer, if you're truly having a house of prayer that's encountering the manifest presence of God, if you're coming face to face with God, you will have a heart for these people. Amen. Amen. If you don't have a heart for these people, you're not really encountering God. Because God's heart is for the lost. That's why you're still, that's why we're still here. That's true. We're gonna spend eternity with him, but his heart is still here. That's right. So out of the house of prayer, we will have a heart for for these people. We need to pray for them by name. We need to pray for the unreached peoples of the world, Afghanistan, Iran, India. China. We need to be praying for these nations who have yet to, who are persecuted. Pray regularly for the nations. Celebrate answers to prayer. Give money. Uh, I'm I'm so thankful that my parents modeled this well and gave me money. And I I used learn how to steward funds and give it to missions. Serve other families. Advance the kingdom in that way. Go on mission trips together. This is awesome. Uh, I went on mission trips with my parents. Incredible to see the nations in that way. I love it that Randy and Cheryl did this with your children, going to the Bahamas. Uh, go on. It's awesome. Have dinner with other families on mission. We regularly yeah. had missionaries to our home to hear stories, testimonies. When we have the College of Prayer, have, them, have these leaders into your home. Mm-hmm. Invite other people who are living their life on mission. I I was so glad as a child to have regularly interact with other missionaries. Uh, I'll never forget when Emily and I were first married, we had Jim and Dee Sunda into our home and uh, they were incredible missionaries to Erie and Jaya. And we just had the most amazing time with these people, but I'll never forget. They told us, I said, what was the most rewarding thing? And they said, well, when we retired and we took off in our airplane, we saw a bunch of tin roofs everywhere. And those tin roofs were not there before we came. Each of those tin roofs were churches. I mean, that was amazing. And God led us actually to wash their feet. And I'll never forget the feeling of their feet. They were worn. They were hard. They were crusty. But, wow, to interact with other people who live their life on mission is encouraging. Intentionally seek out friendships with other people who need a life change in Jesus Christ. If all you're doing is hanging around other believers, you got to get out more. Right. Uh, Right from here, I'm about to go to interact with non-believers. I'm going to my daughter's soccer game. I'm a coach. We're undefeated. It's awesome. Uh, 
but that's that's one of my places. I interact with my neighbors. <laughs> Please talk with your neighbors. Right. Stop and say hello. Talk in a normal way. Have normal, interesting yeah. conversation. Talk about sports. Talk of build friendships. But don't be afraid to share that you love Jesus. Right. I tell each of them right up front so I don't right. have to sneak it in later. Right. I just say it right up front. Jesus right. has changed my life. Everybody knows this in my yep. neighborhood. Yep. My neighbor across the street, uh, when his daughter came time for her to get married, she did, they didn't know who to marry her. They asked me. Mm. I'm the pastor in the neighborhood. Wow. And yeah. I, it's, it's not just me. I'm telling you, you can do this. Yep. Right. You yep. can do it in your neighborhood. Just so get to know your neighbors and share Jesus. They'll love it. Go door to door, invite neighbors to church and life group. Uh, I take my kids with me. I love it. They call it ringing doorbells. Uh, it's it's awesome. We ring doorbells together. Uh, my my son, he's three years old. He said everybody knows Jesus at the dinner table the other night. And I and Hannah, my six year old, corrected him and said, "No, Samuel, not everybody knows Jesus." And then she said, that's why we go ring doorbells. <laughs> she knows we ring doorbells because people out here don't know Jesus. Take, take your children with you. Invite them to start a life group. I'm so glad we started a life group in our neighborhood. We have uh, four families from our neighborhood that come to our life group. Two of them never weren't a part of church. I'll never forget the first time we opened the Bible. I said, hey, uh, what do you think about this passage? And my neighbor said, well, this is the coolest thing. I've never read the Bible before. Wow. He had never read the Bible before. A year after we started our life group, his sister got put in jail. Okay? And out of all the things that he could have sent his sister in jail, guess what he sent her? Wow. A Bible. This guy who had never read the Bible before coming into my life group, the one thing he sends his sister in jail a year after starting the life group was a Bible. Another couple, the wife was coming for a full year and she was, she was coming by herself and her marriage was on the rocks and everybody was telling her to get a divorce. We prayed, we intercede, we prayed for this woman and her marriage was saved. Mm. The marriage was saved. Now, they're not coming to our church, but the kingdom is advanced. Hallelujah. Right. I don't care. I started a house church. Right. You can start a house church. Just start inviting. I, just, I said, hey, come for a meal. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to pray a little bit. We want to encourage each other. People start coming. And lives were changed. I know it's not easy to start a life group. I mean, we got stains on the floor. We got broken things. But what's more important, stains on a floor or a marriage being healed? Wow. Wow. What's more important, broken toys or a life change? Who comes to understand that the Bible is an amazing book? This is what we're called to do. We're called to build a house of prayer for the lost and for the nation. So I just want us to stand here. Yeah. And I want us to stand and invite God to build a house of prayer 
in your home, yes. in your family, that will reach the nations. Build a house of prayer for the purpose of reaching your neighbors, of reaching your coworkers, of reaching the 